All right, what is up, everyone? It's your boy Matt here, uh, doing a little solo cast. Kevin's not around for this one, but um, after the second episode, when I went back and listened, we had some audio issues where I thought I was hearing something that I wasn't, and you know, I changed the settings and kind of kind of ruined the audio for the middle of it. That's one of the reasons I didn't advertise it, but that it is uploaded if you want to hear it. Anyway, so uh, I, I made a few uh, changes here. I upgraded a few things. I got like a, an external sound card, a little audio mixer, uh, a better mic, and some uh, some uh, additional software as well so that I can do things like this. Yeah, that's right. We got the soundboard now. I'm going to go ahead and consider that a victory. That's two of the five sounds I uploaded on the soundboard, though, so... I better go sparingly from here on. And I can't remember exactly where the other ones are. But the good thing is I, uh, I've sort of got my white belt now in uh, audio engineering or button pushing. So we'll just keep on improving things. And uh, obviously the feedback is appreciated. So if there's anything you guys think could be improved, I would love to hear it. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there with far more audio experience than me who can help me help me change a few things. In fact, one of the funny things, uh, I tried to record this podcast a second ago and I ran into a, a few more issues. Uh, one of the things that happens is basically if you have like too much stuff going on, there's like a delay latency in the microphone. So I was talking and I could hear this echo like right after I talked and it, it was throwing me off. Anyway, though, let's get into the episode. I've wasted enough time talking about that. We're going to talk a little bit about intermittent fasting since that's sort of the first podcast I promised and I really haven't done it. So when I think about intermittent fasting, the reason I'm doing that is to sort of help regulate my hormones. Um, really, the main one is going to be insulin. So let's talk a little bit about insulin. Insulin is uh, what your body releases to lower the your blood sugar, you know, glucose in your blood. Your body sort of wants to keep a, a certain amount of that in there. I should probably know the amount, but I don't. I don't know the exact number right now. But it's got an amount that it wants to kind of keep there. If it gets too low, it's going to try to get some extra in there. Um, you know, break down some glycogen or something like that and get some glucose going in there. If it's too much, it's going to release insulin to lower it and get back to that range that it likes. So you can have a few problems with insulin. Diabetes probably comes to mind. It definitely comes to mind for me. You got two types, as I'm sure you've heard. You may not necessarily know the difference, though. Type 1 is generally considered to be, uh, well, genetics, not, not the right word. Um, it, it starts a little earlier in life because type 2 diabetes is definitely genetically linked to, you know, some people are a little more sensitive to it than others. But in type 1, the body's immune system uh, attacks the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. I'm sure you've probably, you know, heard about type 1 diabetes being related to the pancreas, um, you know, or, or associated with that at some point. So anyway, in type 1, the body just can't make insulin. So that's why you have to take that exogenous insulin to lower your blood sugar if it needs to be lowered and regulate it. So, you know, they're testing it, making sure it's not too high, and uh, they can lower it if it needs to be lowered. In type 2, your body makes plenty of insulin. Well, maybe not plenty, but it makes a lot of insulin. Your insulin levels are high, but your blood sugar levels are also high. They won't go down because your body becomes resistant to insulin. It's almost sort of like a drug addiction, you know? Um if you are an alcoholic, it takes a little more alcohol to get drunk over time. You know, it's a, you can smash a fifth or maybe more than that. I don't, I don't know how that works. You guys know I'm not a big drinker. So uh, that's, that's not good, you know? And the worst thing is generally the treatment for type 2 diabetes is insulin. So it's kind of like prescribing the alcoholic with more alcohol because it stops the temporary withdrawals. Really, the answer is to 
stop getting those blood sugar spikes so much. And then you won't need the insulin after a little bit of time. You just got to start eating whole foods. Um, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I know there's some studies. Uh, I'll probably post this with some other ones down there uh, and make a little note of it because I, I referenced some other studies here too. But a lot of times you can see major drops in how much insulin someone needs in type 2 diabetes in like, I think it's like less than two weeks of having a really good whole food diet with nothing processed. But I'll, like I said, I'll post it in the, uh, I'll post that study and, and a little update in there and, and make sure. So asterisk by that. So yeah, the body develops resistance to any exposure. In this case, we're talking about insulin. So you get too much insulin, you're going to end up obese and you're going to end up insulin resistant. Two things we don't want. What's the answer to that? Eat whole foods. So more real fats, less fake fats, less uh, less sugars, and less refined grains, and start fasting. Intermittent fasting is what I like to do. Um, what's fasting? If you haven't heard of it, you probably have. You know, there's all kinds of reasons, religious and disciplinary and things like that, but it's it's voluntary abstinence from food. So you're just, you know, denying yourself a meal for a time. You're not starving yourself. Obviously, if you're starving and malnourished, fasting is not a good idea. You're, you know, you don't want to do that then, but... Uh, starving and malnourishment is not really a big issue in America for the most part. And I think that's probably my target podcast audience for now. A little sip of delicious coffee. So how do you increase your blood sugar? By eating. Carbs increase it the most. Protein can increase it a little bit. Fat can increase it even a little bit less. Fat, almost almost no change at all, but there there's a minor change. So with carbs, carbs all get broken down into glucose one way or another, whether it's a big refined carb or whether it's fructose and it has to go to the liver to get broken down there and then turn into glucose. It's going to get turned into glucose somehow. It's going to go into the bloodstream. It's going to increase your blood sugar. And that's when your body's going to have to produce insulin to get it out of there. Um, you know, exceptions to that are if something's like maybe really high fiber, it might get digested really slowly. And then maybe you only get a little bit of glucose added to that blood sugar at a time. And your body kind of naturally uses that rather than needing that insulin response. Your body can probably take like maybe like 10 grams of carbs with nothing else and not get an insulin response at one time. Protein can do the same thing. If you just take massive amounts of protein and your body doesn't have a use for all the amino acids it has, then uh, you're going to have excess amino acids and your body's actually going to turn that into glucose. Your body can break down those amino acids, turn them into glucose, and that can raise your blood sugar. So um, you don't want to take too much protein and you also want to make sure you're not taking the wrong ratio of proteins. So like you got your 20 amino acids, you know, your eight essential amino acids, those are really the most important to have. If your ratio is all messed up, which... Um, can happen if your diet's bad. Uh, that kind of thing can happen if you're like vegan and you're not being really careful about your essential amino acids. That's like key if you're going to do a vegan diet. I, I absolutely do not recommend a vegan diet. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's morally superior or anything like that. But we'll we'll talk about that in another episode. That's a great episode to tackle too. And I can talk about all the uh, all the BS and game changers and why most of that is you know just kind of propaganda. But anyway, I'm getting off the topic. Back to protein. If uh, you take too much protein or you are got that wrong amino acid profile, those excess amino acids are going to get turned into glucose and raise your blood sugar. Fat doesn't raise it much at all, so we're not even gonna, really going to touch on that. What happens to the glucose that gets pulled out of your blood sugar when that insulin goes in there? Well, it's going to get sent to your liver, and it's going to get stored as glycogen, which is just a long chain of glucoses. 
your body can store a certain amount of glycogen and then it's going to start turning it into fat instead of glycogen because your liver only has so much space for glycogen in it. So if you're going through this process of having this huge insulin response and all this blood sugar being brought to your liver to be turned into glycogen and then it's overloading and that glycogen is being turned into fat, that's going to be when you when you get fat, obviously. Um, it kind of helps break that myth too of like eating fat makes you fat. It, it doesn't, you know, because anything is going to get turned into fat if, if it's excess. Your body's amazing at how it can break things down and turn it into other things like the protein to sugar. Um, another effect of insulin as a hormone is that it causes salt and water retention. So you're going to be bloated too. Bloated and fat, probably not uh, ideal for most of you. I hear can, you know, a few common concerns about fasting most of the time. Um, so let's talk about some of those. Fasting is not dangerous. There have been some really long medically supervised fasts that have, you know, checked a few different things. Um, I'll post these studies in my notes as well. The longest medically supervised fast maintained with only a multivitamin and water was 382 days. 382 days of not eating any food, just water and vitamins. Um, and the guy felt terrific at the end. You know, he obviously lost hundreds of pounds. I forget the exact amount and what he went to who, um, from there, but but the, it was overall a great success. There was also a study I looked at that only gave their patients water and multivitamins, and they did that up to 117 days, and they were looking at electrolytes, lipids, and proteins in your blood serum, and they found no significant changes in that up to 117 days. So that's pretty amazing. So you could go on this crazy long fast, and you're not going to like get dehydrated from having the wrong electrolytes. Now, obviously, these are extreme cases. I'm not recommending you do anything near that. I think probably the two easiest ways to fast are either intermittent fasting, which is uh, what I do. That's where you just pick a small eating window during the day, and that's the only time you can eat. The minimum for that is probably like eight hours. Uh, most people do like a 12 to 8 type deal, but it doesn't have to be. Then it can kind of be any time. I've been compressing mine down to like six or even four hours some days, um, which is even better. I'd love to just get to where I just eat one one big meal, and, and that's and that's it. So I can get even more benefits from the fasting. And honestly, it's a time saver too. Some people don't like to do that though. Um, and another way where you can get all the same benefits is just to fast a couple days during the week. So like you could just start with one day, maybe pick like Saturday. You don't eat on Saturdays. And then eventually you add a second day. Maybe you don't eat Tuesdays and Saturdays or something like that. So those are two easy ways to do it. Um, oh, another concern I've heard from fasting is that Oh, it's going to ruin my metabolism if I start skipping meals. That's not true. Um, so I'll post this study as well, but there's another study that checked people's metabolisms up to four days into a fast, and the metabolism ended up raising the whole time and ending up at a 2% increase. So that's not a huge number. It's not decreasing, and it's increasing enough that it's statistically significant. So it can be reported in a, in a peer-reviewed study. So we talked some about how... Fasting and good diet is going to reduce insulin, um, but fasting is also going to increase your adrenaline and your human growth hormone. In the first episode of the cast, we talked about human growth hormone a lot, what can increase that, and we mentioned diet and, and fasting. So you guys already know that. But um, human growth hormone is great because when you're in a caloric surplus or you know your body's got plenty of, plenty of food in it, it's going to help encourage the body to use those extra calories to build muscle mass. And when you're in a deficit, HGH prevents muscle protein breakdown. So it preserves that muscle while you're fasting. So that's wonderful. 
the good effect of adrenaline is when you have extra adrenaline in your body, that encourages your body to burn fat and stored glycogen. So that's one way that your body's going to go ahead and start tackling those fat reserves, essentially, when you're, when you're in a fasted state. So I would say this is all good stuff that, you know, we probably all want to try to achieve. Um, and also when you have chronically high insulin levels, you start to get your metabolic syndrome disorders. We talked some about diabetes all, uh, already. Well, type 2 diabetes in this case. That's a, that's a metabolic syndrome disease, not type 1. But you also are going to have increased risk of heart disease, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, abdominal obesity, non-alcoholic uh, stetohepatitis. I might have mispronounced that, but also called fatty liver disease. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, gout, arthrosclerosis. That's like plaque in your uh, veins. GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease. That's your old heartburn. Obstructive sleep apnea. That's where people can't get into REM sleep without wearing that mask because they kind of like have like a weird little heart thing that makes them stop breathing. So they wake up constantly during the night and they can't ever get into REM unless they have this machine that like makes them not do that. That little like fighter probably like, it's almost like Darth Vader. And then the last one on this list is cancer. So those are all not good things. Obviously, you want to avoid disease and being bloated and fat, and you probably want to have high muscle mass too. So I think that would be ideal for everyone. So that is the mini cast, everyone. Thanks for listening. Would love to hear feedback, and we can keep making this better. And I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.